And welcome to the Heart God Media Podcast. I am your host, Jesse AHS, and today my guest is a booking agent, graphic designer, bass player, guitarist, and now podcaster. Sean Mott has a new podcast called Metalcore Nerds, where he talks with musicians, uh, presumably that's uh, mostly who he's going to have, musicians and friends, about nerd stuff. Uh, movies, comics, uh, things of the sort. Star Wars, I know he did an episode with uh, with um, uh, Matt Fox from uh, Shy Hulud where they talked about Star Wars, uh, talked about the, the which uh, which was a more important movie, Iron Man or The Dark Knight with Joey uh, Southside from The Banner. So this is, uh, this is really cool that, you know, we have another person that's getting into the podcasting uh, world and getting this awesome content, and this is really cool because it's musicians talking about uh, non-musician type things. Uh, obviously, that stuff's going to interweave, but it's really cool. It's a really cool podcast, Metalcore Nerds, and uh, yeah, let's get to it. Sean Mott of Metalcore Nerds Podcast. And my guest right now on the Heart Guide Media Podcast is none other than uh, Jack of Many Trades, uh, Mr. Sean Mott. Hey man, how you doing? Good man. So you are uh, you're a man of many talents. You have uh, you are uh, you are a graphic designer. You are a musician. You are a booking agent, and now you are officially a podcaster. I don't know if I. I mean, I'm on podcast channels. I don't know if I officially call myself a podcaster yet. Oh, as, as soon as I mean, if you've listened, if you've dived into the deep world of some of the the stranger, more strange podcasts out there. As soon as you hit record yeah. and it's out to the masses, uh, you're considered a podcaster. I mean, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> you're so you're on board. I mean, if they can consider me a podcaster, I, anybody can be a podcaster. So, uh, but yeah. So you kind of, I mean, obviously, I mean, it, it's kind, it's so hard to not talk about it because it's just everywhere right now. It's like, you know, it's it, it's a pandemic. Um, so was that like, uh, explain your thoughts behind, did you have aspirations about starting a podcast before this and this kind of pushed it over the edge and was just like, listen, I got a lot of free time on my hands. I can, you know, it's now's the time to do this. Or was it something spur of the moment where you're like, you know what? I got all this time. Let's do, let's, let me do a podcast. It was more of the first one. I got deep into podcasts years ago like two or three years ago um it started with wrestling i always followed pro wrestling sheet from when it started as a site and then moved to a podcast shortly after so i started listening to that because of, uh i was into wrestling when i was a kid then i got out of it when i got older and got into like skateboarding and uh start when i started playing guitar um but once i was like you know in the hardcore scene and everything and then i heard about cm punk there's like a straight edge wrestler. What is this? So I watched this documentary and I was like, this is so sick. I was like, I used to like wrestling. I'm going to get back into wrestling. So then I started watching WWE again. And then, um, that got me into like the Indies, like Ring of Honor, New Japan, all that stuff. And then it kind of snowballed from there. But, uh, back to the podcast thing, I started listening to those. And I was like, I like this. This is cool. Cause I never, you know, really knew about anything like podcasts. It kind of just, I know it's been going on for like a while, but it kind of just blew up. And I also listen to like Colt Cabana's podcast because he'd interview wrestlers, so I'd hear like some of the some of their stories and stuff like that. And 
obviously, if anyone knows me, knows I love, like, comic-related stuff and superhero movies. So one day I just searched Marvel on the Apple Podcast app. And I found this podcast called Marvel Movie News. And it basically just went over movie news, mostly Marvel. Sometimes they would delve into DC. But then that same uh, company, it's called the Popcorn Talk Network. And actually, I think it it used to have Xbox um, podcasts on. I don't think, I think he moved to a different one. But um, it had that, it had all these after shows for like anything you could think of. And they had a DC movie news. And then I learned shortly after that all of these hosts are on like everything. They're all connected because they all live in LA. So then I found Collider after that, which had uh, Collider Heroes, which is like a huge, it's just like nerd everything, right. pretty much. And that was hosted by John Schnepp, who did, um, he did like Space Ghost. I think he was a part of like Metalocalypse and stuff like that. Uh, he was the host until he unfortunately passed. I yeah. didn't do it until he passed. Yeah, the name rang a bell as soon as you mentioned it, and I was just immediately when, when I started, when you said Metalocalypse, I was like, oh yeah, that get, dude unfortunately passed away. Yeah, he did some other stuff too, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But he was awesome. He knows like everything about all of that stuff. And uh, he would have uh, the host of Marvel Movie News on, Coy Jandrew, and then he ended up taking over after Josh had passed. But then Collider went through a thing where they, like a bunch of people left. And pretty much all the podcasts I started listening to, I would switch podcasts because the main host would leave. And then I wouldn't like it as much when the main host left. So I would just switch to whatever they were doing. And then once I got into Collider, I listened to like, that's when I got super into, because they used to have movie talk where they just talk about movies, any movie news, like new trailers, when a movie's coming out, they would do like short movie reviews. And every Monday they would talk about box office. And I just got like, I don't know why, it was just so interesting. Like numbers have kind of always interesting. So me just like seeing the box office numbers and like what was considered a failure, what was considered a success. And I'm listening to all these different podcasts, whether it was movies, nerds, wrestling, whatever. And I was like, oh, I love these. This is so cool. I was like, one day, one day I'll start a podcast. But I was always so busy because I guess we'll get into this more later, but when I first started booking or even when I was doing, because I've always, since college, I went to college for graphic design and I've always done it. And I always, luckily I got a job in graphic design, like a nine to five, like right out of college. And I've always had different ones. I just kind of went to different places who would pay me more money pretty much. Right, right. And, but I would always do outside stuff for bands and everything. So I always had like the side hustles, always. And then once I had booking, it was just another side hustle. So I was always so busy. So, and I was like, I've always doubted that people would care. It's like just ingrained in me. Like I, even now when people are like saying such cool things about the podcast after the first couple episodes and, you know, people are just like, this is so cool. Like some dude on Facebook the other day said it's becoming one of his favorite podcasts. And I was like, that's fucking insane to me. Like, I, like I can't, like, I did not think people would care. That's why I posted online. Cause I was like, you know, maybe if like 10 people do it, because now that obviously the, the COVID-19 pandemic happened, one of the first uh, casualties in um, businesses was the music industry. Um, it's kind of all hitting people now with, with jobs, like, you know, places that have been closed down for a couple of weeks and now they're like, hey, we don't know we're opening back up. But for the music industry a couple of weeks ago, it was just like literally overnight, everything's canceled. 
Yeah, until further notice, too. I mean, that's what... And, uh, you know, you have so many people, uh, and you talked about it with with Joey from The Banner, too, about how, like, everyone is affected. I mean, he he said he wasn't, at least not so far, but at at the same time, anyone who is, like, plays live, uh, runs a club, books bands, like, those are all facets that are all on pause now until this is cleared up and there's so much uncertainty it's 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 unprecedented yeah exactly and and you know obviously i'm in contact with managers i work with you know people at labels other agents other managers everything and it's all just like most of us are like we're just waiting to until we have a clear picture because it it almost makes no sense to move things around because everything's already like fucked for like the fall if the fall even happens at this point because everything from the spring is moving to the summer most of the stuff in the summer is already being have to move to the fall yeah so it's all just this crazy of like everything's jam-packed no one knows what's going on and then to add to the music industry like basically disappearing overnight uh, uh pretty much most of or almost all of the design work i do is music industry related whether it's for promotion companies bands other agents hitting me up for tour ad mats whatever it's like there's no nothing's there it's all gone you know like no one is any tour ad mats there's no tours you know not a lot of bands are trying to get merch printed because they're trying to get rid of or merch designs made because they already have merch printed for tours coming up that aren't happening now so they're trying to move those you know right and some of the big tours that that happened right when it started some were like five days in and they were big tours, like sold out clubs all across the country. Like those bands order tens of thousands of dollars of merch. Oh they yeah. They do thousands of dollars of merch a night. And they had to go home with all of this merch. Luckily it's been, it's been to a point where a lot of people have been supporting and, and buying it and everything, but it's really the, the background people like agents and managers and, and tour crews that are like suffering insanely because that's what we get paid off. We get paid off touring. So if there's no touring, you're not getting paid. You know what I mean? Right. So that all happened. And my wife, Sam, um, she manages a hot topic. So a couple weeks ago they were like, Hey, we're closing down until the end of the month. At least they said till the end of the month. And then now it's obviously extended to until further notice. But, um, she was like, well, I'm going to be home. And it's not like she doesn't have side stuff to do. Like I'm still doing design stuff for people. And I, I do design for a, a print shop too. So there's a little bit of stuff there, but it, even that is lowered because they're cutting down. Cause I work remote for them. Right. And uh, they're trying to keep it all in, ho- all in house, obviously. And even that stuff they've cut down too. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all like, everything's getting affected. Like, like people have said, and she's like, I think I'm going to start, like, a Twitch. Like, I just bought Animal Crossing. Like, I'll just play it and see what happens. And I was like, maybe I should finally do a podcast. And I've, I guess in the past, like, six months or something, I've been thinking about it more. Like, I try to set, like, rough yearly goals and stuff like that. And that's been on one for, like, the past couple of years. So this happened. I was like, well, I'm obviously going to have a lot more free time on my hand. And... I came up with the idea, like, oh, I know a ton of people in the music industry. I know a ton of people in bands. Like, why don't I just have them on and we'll 
talk about something like nerd related or I have one coming out Monday where it's, I'm talking to an agent friend. He works in the same uh, booking agency as I do. And it's mostly me and him just talking about metalcore, which is pretty cool. It's, it's a little different. But, uh, and then we talk about his career because he used to book some crazy shit back in the day that like not a lot of people know about. So that one's going to be a little cool. But I just had these, because I was always like, it has to be something different. I can't just be reading like news or, you know, and I don't really like reviewing stuff because I'm pretty easy to please. So I'm usually way, like, too easy on stuff. There's stuff I don't like, but I also don't like trashing stuff. And I'm not, like, a movie expert either. So I'm not trying to be like, oh, the plot was whatever. Right. It's not my my job. I'm just a dude who likes this shit. So I didn't want to do that. And I'll discuss with people, like, what I like and didn't like because that's not not reviewing. It's just having a conversation with my friend, you know, which I do with my friends all the time anyway. We just, like, text each other about whatever. You know, whether it's comics or movies or, or whatever. And you're bringing it and, to the uh, podcast format now. Yeah, yeah, but I wanted to. I wanted to be yeah different. And there's not. I there might be podcasts like this, but I I didn't really see any because obviously, like I listen to more podcasts than I listen to music. It's, it's kind of weird since I like work in music, but it, it's true. I listen, I listen to more podcasts than I do music, and so I I've never really come across anything like this. I've seen people like certain topics but they'll mostly it's like a broad thing so i wanted to really like dial it down obviously the spectrum of the whole thing is broad because every episode is about something completely different you know but i, I wanted a cool idea and, and i was like oh what about this idea to like my wife i hope my friends they'll be, they think it's, it'll be cool and then i posted on facebook instagram twitter if people would be into it and it seems like people were and then exactly like a week after I posted the trailer and then the Monday after I posted the first three episodes and I got like my friend Joey and mine to do the logos, my friend Liam to do the music to make it legit and try to help out other people than myself. And when it's usually me involved with something, um, I guess except when I was in the band because I designed 90% of the merch, but I like to help out other people and keep and keep like an outside perspective of it rather than I'm pulling a grain in it. So, right. Now, now, that's uh, it's very similar. Uh, you said something that I think is very similar as to what, because I I had the same mindset you did, honestly, with before I started, uh, before I started this podcast, it was just like, well, who's really gonna care? And then ultimately, after doing it for a few years, ultimately, I don't really like my goal isn't to like get rich off being a podcaster or anything like that it's more so to just provide entertainment to friends and and that's what it really was like we spent see this podcast doesn't have like and i like what you've done by calling it metalcore nerds so in laying the groundwork with those first few episodes you you haven't built you haven't painted yourself into a corner of like okay this is only going to be about music because there's only music dudes on there i think it's more interesting because you're having music dudes on there who are talking about non-music stuff obviously music all the music stuff is always going to be interweaved no matter what but the fact that you're talking about other stuff you know uh quote-unquote nerd shit is gonna is gonna draw in a different demographic and it's gonna get other people interested as well as people who are part of the music scene who are interested in you know comic books and movies and 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 all that you know more uh i don't know I guess uh, genre type stuff, you know, and re- wrestling too. Yeah. Re- you know that whole thing with like move, like movie fandom and wrestling fandom and music. I feel like 
the passions are very similar and they're always on the same level as far as like the amount of passion that fans of movies and music and comics and wrestling are all very passionate fans. 100% for sure. And uh, so going on from the, from the, uh, into the music side of it, um, when, what was your first show? Your first uh, musical show ever? So it's kind of weird. I think it was on my 16th birthday. Um, and it was just a local show in Watertown. Like it was literally all just local like metal bands. And I was into heavier music since I was like 13. I mean, I grew up on like classic rock, like ACDC, like Guns N' Roses, Metallica and stuff like that. But when I was like 12 or 13, uh, one of my, I don't even know how it happened, but one of my friends like showed me like Newfound Glory, and maybe because I was into Blink One Eight Two too, because they were obviously like way more mainstream and like Green Day, um, and then that finally led to me to like Newfound Glory and like Fall Out Boy. But at the same time, I got into like Silverstein, Hawthorne Heights, Ted Spale, um, and then I, my mom bought me a Headbangers Ball compilation CD. Nice. And it had yeah, and it had. 18 visions i remember this one it had like lamb of god on it it had yep. uh Kill i think Switch. yeah oh yeah i remember this one i think it was actually uh i don't know i'm a huge kill switch fan too um and obviously you know i'm the biggest fangirl ever for 18 visions but um <laughs> yes <laughs> um kill switch engage i believe that was the first time that they uh released that um fixation on the darkness with howard jones on vocals and that was the only way you could find that in a physical format at the time was on that Headbangers Ball CD, and that's why I picked that CD up. Oh, I think mine might, mine might have been a different one because I think it had Rose of Sharon on it. I think. Okay, so that might have been. Well, they. I think they every year they put out like a new Headbangers Ball CD. Yeah, and you're like talking about set. I think. Yeah, you're talking about like, I mean, the golden age of all that stuff, and what I love yeah. too. It's how that all intermingles, too. And I know there's purists out there. I mean, I know them, you know them, who only like hardcore or only like this. Something, and I've no, I've known about you just, you know, in, in the, the limited interactions we've had just knowing each other over the years, is we've yeah. always liked the heavy and the, like, more melodic. And it, it was at a time in those early 2000s where you could, there was a lot of people who were listening to Newfound Glory and Fall Out Boy like us but also loved the stuff that was bridging it, like, yep. you know, Seosin and Silverstein and things like that. And then we also liked Hatebreed and 18 Visions and, yeah. uh, you know, On Earth and on all the metalcore stuff. And I remember – now, I, I'm in, really interested to hear what uh, – you know, growing up in those early 2000s, did you ever get – did you have friends that, like, just didn't get, like, whether you liked one or the other? Because I had friends that – loved like you know newfound glory and blink 182 and stuff like that and couldn't understand why i was listening to perseverance but also uh, so, the, the the heavier fans who were just like oh my god i cannot believe you like emory so not really it's super weird so i went to a really small high school like my graduating class is like 90 people um i lived in like a town outside of watertown and watertown's already small so i lived in like a town outside of it went to the high school that was in that district and i was like the like 
I had like the swoopy hair and the girl pants and all that shit when I was in high school. But I was the only kid who dressed like that. Literally the only one. I had like my my ears. I started like uh, stretching my ears in high school too. I was the only kid like that. But no one. A couple people tried to like alienate me for it. Um, when I, but it was more like when I was like a sophomore and they were a senior and stuff. But like honestly, I just got along with everyone. Because even those kids, if they did it, like, obviously, you know me, like, I'll crack jokes with anyone. But those people, I would, like, try to dig them. If they were going to dig me, I would just dig back at them. And they would just be like, whoa, he talked back to me. And they would just, like, uh, not really bother me anymore. Right. But but a lot of my friends, they would be, like, open to that stuff, which is, which is weird. Because they were just, like, kind of just, like, normal dudes or people, you know? Right. Um. And they were kind of like, I would show them heavier bands and they'd be like, this is cool. And some of the stuff they'd be like, ah, I don't really like this. But some of the stuff, like I remember when I first got into like, this is hell. And I showed my friend, this is hell. He's like, this band is sick. And he's just like, a, I'm pretty sure he's like, and I don't think he's like an engineer, but he like works something in like political science or something in Virginia now, like near DC. No shit. He's just like, a, he's just like a normal fucking dude, <laughs> you know? And so that's what like, so weird because so no one really judged me they would just be like yeah I don't like that or I like this but they like like almost everything like a bunch of heavy stuff and everything which which is weird and and um in Watertown uh cooler shows didn't really happen until like the end of high school like, I guess some did but most of them were that I went to they were all just like local bands you know and um then uh, Eric Benny, who now is in therapies with After Dark, he was in Watertown too. He grew up in like Sackets. Um, and he used to put my old, like terrible, like indie pop punk band on shows and stuff when I was in high school. And and um, he he was the main booking guy there. You know, there was two venues and they were like right across the street from each other. And they weren't like real venues. One was in, I think you've probably been there, Velocity. Oh yeah, yeah. Where they they had they had a place called the Dungeon that was downstairs, and they had shows in this other room. But it was like a it was like a arcade slash like kids play place. Like they had like a full like like blow up like right right course and like like the ball pit and everything. So they the upstairs they had this room and it was just like an open room, and we'd have shows there, or we'd have shows in the dungeon, which was like an, it was kind of like it was pretty much an actual venue. Like there was like a backstage part, and that's where my my bands after college would practice because they had like rooms like in the back part of it. And so that's where every show was either there or across the street, which in this other place, it was this, they called it like a mini mall, but it wasn't really a mall. Like they had like, none of the stores were ever open. I think there was like a bar in there and like random shit. It was very like weird. Um, but there was another room that they would hold shows in too as well. It was like, it actually just an open room. And, um, so he would start bringing stuff like, I remember like Furbit Six Kids played and like Metro Station, Metro Station played when like Shake It was like a thing. Um, you got like Four Strong there, like right when Rise or Die Trying came out. And I think the first out of town show I ever went to that was like quote unquote bigger, but it wasn't because, um, I saw like as tall as lions and honor bright in Utica at this place called melodic revolution, which dude, is, dude, I in Clinton, I, dude, I love yeah. that place so much. And the first time I found that place, 
was I booked a show there without even knowing it and then uh, played there. And then Gary, uh, Gary Cole's old band, Arms of Another, who my old yes. band played with, Gary's uh, band did a record release show there. And I became obsessed with there. And I saw This Is Hell and Four Years Strong play a show at that Cl- at in Clinton at Melodic Revolution. Really? Dude, I swear. I swear to God. It's... Uh, it was 2007. Honestly, I still have the like four year strong like slip sleeve demo too. And this was like it was it was probably like April of 2007. Yeah, I don't. It might have been the same year I saw four year strong when they played Watertown, and I was stoked because me and my friend found them on Pure Volume before they started getting big, and they literally only had Heroes Get Remembered, and they had some weird techno song on it. That was it. And then they put out the album, and I was like, oh, it's that band we saw on Pure Line that had that weird techno song and that other song that sounded like uh, New Found Glory Breakdown. Like, <laughs> and, uh, but the first show I saw at Melodic was Tall yeah, Tall Lines and Honor Bright. And then Tall Lines like, blew my mind because I didn't even know who they were. A couple, like, like I said, my high school was super weird because they're just like these nor- like normies, you know? Right. They liked like all this music. And, Two of the people I knew, like they're like, oh, it's Tall Lions, I love that band. And I was like, oh, they're like, oh, we're driving to Utica, do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, I'm like whatever. And that's how I met the Honor Bright dudes too. And so they played, I don't even remember who else played, but then months later, I saw, and this is crazy because the same, so if, for people that don't know a lot of Revolution, it's literally a record store. Yeah, it was. And it was two. It was a couple actually that owned and operated it, who were older at the time, probably in their fifties. Yeah. And uh, they actually they moved down to Florida, but yeah, it was essentially a record store. They lived above it, and then like another portion of it was kind of like, I guess like an open space, like a living room type thing. But there was pictures of yeah. like ho- like a hot. There, I don't even like a hockey player. I remember, and there was just like a couple random pictures and it was just like an open living room kind of. Yeah. It, it was the size of a living room. Most living rooms are probably bigger. than. Oh yeah, than definitely. <laughs> so the second show I saw opening was end well, but they didn't show up for some reason. Dude, this is the tour. Dude, I second vaguely band, remember the flyer for that show. Second band. I do remember. No one knew who the fuck they were. It was like right after, uh, the plot, the band, the panhandle just came out. Like, no one knew who they were. No one. I definitely did not. And this is who I came for. Bless the Fall with Craig Mabbitt before he joined us against the Bay. Way before that happened. Years. Maybe like three years before that. And then Alisana headlined. And I went for Bless the Fall and Alisana. And that's how I found out about Dave Remember was because of that show. Because yeah. I was like, I have no idea what this band is. And then I went and checked them out after because I was like, that band was cool. And uh, like one kid in front was like singing a song. So there's easily hundreds of people in this straight up a living room so it's fucking nuts and after that it kind of just like evolved and I went to my first Syracuse show. I don't remember what came first my first Syracuse show was either the all time low made it great just surrender show or it was Devil Wears Prada and I to remember I don't remember I think it was the all time low one because I think that I think that one was in the winter and then the I do remember one was in like the end of winter but still winter because we lived up in New York and Winter is half the year. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like other winters. This this winter is the winter where it could. It might snow next week. It was supposed to snow this weekend, but then it changed. Now it's supposed to snow next weekend. Yeah. But that probably too. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? Um, 
But then after that, I think after that was the year I went to college, which I went down to college in Utica, which at that point there really wasn't shows in Utica. It was a bunch of random stuff. I ended up doing like this acoustic project with my friend from Watertown, and we'd play a bunch of coffee shop shows here with like Tim from Honorbright did it and like White Picket Fence and stuff like that. We would, we would play those kind of things, which was, which was super cool. Um, and then during college, I went to the Halloween show at the Westside Community Center, which for some reason back then I remember it being so much bigger than it actually is. But I saw it was I'm the Avalanche, This is Hell, Lost for Words, The Doppler Effect, and Shining Dance. Which the singer of Shining Dance, me and him were like best friends through high school. Like I, I would always stay over at his house on the weekends, and that's the person I found for strongly. We would always find these random uh, bands. Like, that was, like, the thing that, you know what I mean? Finding new bands on oh, yeah. or pure volume. Um, which is a lot harder to do. I mean, I guess you can do it now with Spotify. It made it a little bit easier. But now there's so many bands that it's, like, overwhelming. Well, that was, like, at the <laughs> crux of, like, you know, MySpace, pure volume. Like, discovering bands was, like... I don't want to say that it's uh, it's lost its uh, like excitement, but I remember finding bands like on pure volume. Just like I'd be listening to like something ran- like Most Precious Blood or something on pure volume at high in high school, and like <laughs> see like a recommendation, and I'm just like, oh my fucking god, this is great! Like and just get hooked on another band just like in an instant. Yeah, exactly. It was it was so cool. Um, and then I was in this band. Um, after high school into my first year of college called Kid vs. Hero, which was a band back in the day, like the peak Doppler effect, Honor Bright days. And then we reformed. At first it was a three-piece, and then it ended up becoming a six-piece where like one of the old guitar players played uh, synth and stuff. It was ridiculous. We really only played a few shows. And it's funny because I think most of them were in Watertown. (laughs) But... It was fun, you know, uh, and then it just, like, fizzled out because uh, I don't even remember why, but it fizzled out. And then after the end of college, I was hanging I started hanging Every time I go back home, I started hanging out with a bunch of the younger kids. And um, I was in a band, the band I talked about in high school where I play, I was in a band with this kid named Aaron Adair that was from Watertown. He was a few years younger than me. And... I was like, oh, I'm moving home. Like, are you doing anything music? Because after we broke up, he he took some of the songs and then did his own solo stuff and was doing acoustic stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that can only take you so far, you know, and he kind of got, like, whatever about it and bored with it. And during college when I got super into hardcore because I was mostly into, like, screamo and metalcore and metal until then. And then I found, like, Comeback Kid and the Compel and it kind of just snowballed because that was, like, the peak of, like, around that time is when like cool hand was getting big and backtrack and truck and rice and all that stuff that's when like it was like the boom of like current hype hardcore yeah that was like a little Uh, resurgence of that type of hardcore for sure yeah yeah it was like literally when like lock and key it was more prying eyes was out and then lock and key came out like right after i started listening to cool hand and like the backtrack demo and ep just came out and um whatever that Trap and Rice album is not big, not big kiss. Good night. The other one I can't remember. Secrets of the World. Uh, yeah, that one, that one was out and all that stuff. So it was like a huge boom of that. I was like, oh, that stuff is thick. Like super into it. So me and Aaron started Atlas, 
which there's like 20,000 bands called Atlas. <laughs> Who cares? It was like my first heavy, heavy band, I guess. But, um, so we were in that and we, you know, played all across New York, everywhere. We did a few tours. Um, but doing that and playing in like Syracuse and stuff, uh, like I became friends with all the dudes in Ghost Ship and then Steve Poor was obviously joined off of their heads and, uh, he wasn't around and they, they put out Cold Truth and they were like, oh, we kind of want to play more shows. We want to do tours, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, hey, would you want to fill in? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Which usually ended up me playing two, two sets, like every show because both everyone in New York wanted both bands to play the show. Right. You know, <laughs> and so then after a few shows, they're like, hey, we just want you in the band. That was like sick. And then we went through the singer change with all that stupid drama that no one cares about anymore. <laughs> and and then Keith joined the band. And then it was kind of weird because then me and him kind of took over everything when it came to like branding and. I started booking all the shows because I was the one who knew everyone and I did all the merch and all that stuff. And most of the ideas were kind of keep in mind for like the scope of everything. And, you know, we were kind of like, Hey, like we can be a straight edge band, but we kind of want to like not make it so straight edge. We want to make it like, so everyone can be about it. You know what I mean? And we kind of just tried to make it like a positive band. Almost like the, Almost like the Throwdown method. Throwdown is a straight edge, or you know, they're still. I guess they're still. Uh, they're very, very inactive, but they're they were a straight edge band. But they had so many non straight edge fans too that were just fans of the music. I mean, obviously they went through a few, you know, uh, some changes musically and, and yeah. kind of went more metal. But they all even. I remember even in the you know the the Haymaker era, the you know going to shows. Uh, you know, as a young teen and seeing so many kids and even having friends who weren't straight edge, like in the least were pumped on the throwdown set. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. We didn't want to like alienate people away from it, which obviously the culture is like a pretty hardcore heavy. And some of the, and some of the like lyrics are kind of like me against the world, blah, 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 like super generic, angry, hardcore lyrics that really don't have any weight to them. So we were like, we want to like connect with people. We want people to like, because that's all the stuff I like. It, all the stuff that's like, there's like emotional impact to it. And, you know, and you go see them and people are going nuts and singing the words back because it, it means something to them. It's not just like stuff to sound tough or whatever, you know, not saying that that was the intent, but like, to me, that's what it comes off as. And there's people who, who that, come there just know? for that, like that are kind of, I mean, I mean, a lot of people don't want to admit it, but there is like a portion of showgoers who do go to shows with just kind of like, you know what I mean? They're not really seeking a positive outlet. They're just kind of going for different reasons. I mean, and then, you know, there's people who are seeking that kind of, uh, I guess, positive outlet in more like you're pumped on seeing a band because you're either, you know, inspired by them and you're pumped to get like, use it as an outlet in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of always what shows were for me. Uh, even, even when I was a kid, when I first found it, I just became obsessed with it. And that's kind of what led me into graphic design. I'm kind of going all over the place too, but no, this uh, is good though. We're getting, we're getting the, the full rundown right, right up until <laughs> to current day. So this is good. 
yeah, so when I, when I was first going to shows, I would always, I'd be like, hey, do you need help with anything? Like, do you need someone to work the door? Do you need me to, like, do whatever? And so I just came, like, ingrained in that stuff. And that led me to, like, booking shows for a little bit uh, until I, like, got out of college. And then I would kind of do stuff a little bit, but it slowed down. But it was mainly just, like, I booked some cool stuff. Like, I, I helped book one, the Wonder Years, and I booked Transit, like, a ton of times, and I lost for words, and... I was friends with the state champs dudes when they were like first starting. So I booked state champs a few times and stuff like that. And obviously I booked like Doppler and Honor Party like a 20,000 times in Watertown. Um, but, and, but that got me into, I was like, he's like, Oh, Hey, do you think you can make a flyer? And I had no idea what I was doing when I was like 16 and I would just make dumb flyers with like Pikachu in the background or whatever. <laughs> uh, and they were fucking God awful. I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I knew I was going to go to college, but I didn't know what to go for. And I was like, oh, I can go for graphic design. I had a ton of friends from, like, the area, especially I knew from shows, ended up going to MV in Utica for graphic design or, like, animation or photography or whatever. And they're like, dude, this school is amazing, blah, blah. And that's when I went there. And that's what really got me into graphic design. Because their, their design program is seriously one of the best in the state. Like, I could have went to any four-year school. But pretty much anyone I talked to who already went to a four-year school, they're like, you're going to learn the same exact things, except you're paying four times as much. So I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to go and get a job. And I did. So that worked out. But <laughs> um, That's the advice you're, you're glad you got before, not after. Yeah, yeah. Because I was kind of like hesitant because I was like, I don't know. I was like, this was already like, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, and I didn't have anyone helping me out. Like, student loans so I was like I'm gonna have to pay it off I was like do I prolong it and put myself more debt what do I do and I was just like I'm just not gonna after I heard that I was like no fuck that I'm not gonna do it I'm just gonna go and try to find a job and whatever you know I'll, fig- I'll figure it out um, cause I had a I, I was working like every time I was home for like uh, breaks I would work at Best Buy so I had that so you know it wasn't any it wasn't the greatest thing in the world but it was a job you know so I, it wasn't like I was I had nowhere to work so I did that until I got a job. I got a job like a month after I, I moved back to Watertown. Um, and I was doing both for a little bit because they wanted to do like a trial, like, oh, hey, are you going to work out with us, blah, blah, blah. And then I did, and I worked there until I moved to Syracuse. Um, and that's the reason why I left, because I moved to Syracuse. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, Ghost Ship started doing stuff, and uh, Alex eventually broke up because I lived in Syracuse. The rest of the dudes lived from Watertown. It just like became a revolving door of, we weren't on the same page anymore, which happened. And it's kind of what happened with Ghost Ship too. Like we started, you know, every show we played at home was like madness. And I, I couldn't, it was even stuff like that. Like something, usually if it's anything I get into, I kind of become obsessive and I like pour everything into it to almost a fault. And I just like, all I wanted to do was play in this band because, people like cared and you know people would say it affected them and I was like I can't believe something I'm a part of like affects someone like another human being like crazy and it was I I think uh uh I think Ghost Ship is probably in my opinion is the last local band that was kind of that had that I don't know if clout's the right word but like that like status of like people always showed up people always cared i can't think of a band after you guys that has really i mean there there's a, a a few here and there but obviously the 
the scene had kind of waned uh, over the past few years, but there hasn't been like a band that had that could bring people out on a consistent basis since you guys, and that yeah. you know brought like some I don't know people cared. You said it, you know, people cared. Yeah, and I think the the big one. Uh, I mean, when we put out Cold War Army, that's when it, it, it first started. Because stuff before was cool, but once we started putting out songs from that, like, the first time we play live, people are singing the words to the songs. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right off the bat. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. And I remember we opened, it was almost like five years ago now or whatever, uh, it came up on Sam's time off or whatever, but we were we opened that Stick Your Guns Terror Counterparts Expire show that famously got shut down during Terror. And oh, then, I remember that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then we there was a mix-up show, a $5 show, with just Stick Your Guns, and we played right before them. And it was at this old venue that I never went to because I wasn't around at the time. I lived in Watertown, and, you know, I was just a kid and didn't have a car or whatever. And so I miss, I miss like all the shows in the early 2000s. Like I would like die to go back and see because they're like literally all my favorite bands, but that's not the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it was basically a state, it was like an auditorium sort of, it was just stage and just a big fucking room. And we were, this is also the famous footage that was supposed to be in a video that never came out, which I don't even know where the footage is anymore. So if anyone's hoping to see that, I don't think I've ever even seen it. So, <laughs> um, so we're like, yeah, we're going to film a music video. We had a fucking helmet with a GoPro taped to it and all this crazy shit. People are, have like pool toys and are, you know, diving off the stage, whatever, like everyone singing every word. And I remember like just walking off stage and Chris from Secure Guns is like right there. And he's like, and this is like, Maybe I imagine this, but I'm pretty positive it's happened. And he's like, I don't even want to play after that. And I was like, and Stick Your Guns is still one of my favorite bands to this day. And I was like, what? <laughs> Just like, and ever, I was like in a state of shock almost. Right? Yeah, that's Just like, uh, that's what you want. Like, if you're in a band and you're playing and then you get kind of that, uh, that like, hilarious, like, half approval of like, I don't even want to play now. That was so great. Like, how am I going to. You know, that's, that's, that's ultimately what you'd, I mean, you, you play for yourself obviously first, but like, that is like, that's a huge, uh, you know, vote of confidence for sure. After, you know, you play, a, yeah, you play a set and then, you know, that happens. Yeah. Everyone's come being like, what just happened? I'm like, I was like literally in shock. Like I was like, in the like I don't know. I was like, I can't believe that happened. I was like, that was crazy. And then weeks later like all these you know pictures from the show are coming out videos all this stuff and like i remember just like thinking about it one day like sitting in my car and i just started like i i just i couldn't believe it like it came to like oh wow people like wow people really fucking like this is nuts and so we started playing all these fests. We played the fest in Canada with like real bands. You know, we played this crazy fest in Florida with literally anyone you can think of played it. 
you know, any big tour that would come through, Matt Dunn would, because at that point I was doing all the flyers for Matt Dunn and Syracuse shows, and he would be like, hey, do you want to play this show or this show? Because, for one, he knew I would sell the more tickets than anyone. And two, he knew we'd bring out kids anyway, and I did all the flyers for him. So uh, I kind of had like a, I don't know, I guess it was cheating in a way, but, I mean, we worked for it too, so I guess not. Um, and... So I'd usually be like, hey, do you guys want to play this show or this show, blah, blah, blah. And I'd usually, I would usually aim towards like the more metalcore shows because I was like, I know more kids are going to go there. Some of the other dudes were like, no, let's play the hardcore show. But I was like, okay, we're going to play to like, you know, whoever and no one's going to care or whatever. Um, so we were kind of more accepted by just like people who like everything, you know. Some of the hardcore did like, you know, they they liked us and stuff, but they weren't the kids fucking, you know, doing front flips off stages. And, right, right. You know, stealing mics from the whole stage and everything. Uh, and, you know, we did a whole, like that tour with the Fest in Florida, like, only Keith and I were the only people in the band who did it. Um, all the rest were filmed. Oh, and wow. I, 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 I didn't realize that, that you guys did that, did yeah. a show, you did, a, it, was the, it was the whole tour? It, it ended up, we shortened it to like five days to Florida and back, which fucking sucked. And, because we literally just drive and play a show that's, and what every day was. And um, we shortened it to see if they could do it. And we kind of all, we all had full-time jobs, but my job was cool about letting me take off whatever. And most of the times I had vacation time and I would use vacation to tour. So I got paid to tour basically, which was sick. Um, but I didn't take vacations. I went to tour was my vacation. Right, and, right. Um, and even we did a tour before and we had two of villains for that and stuff like that. It was always villains. And then, uh, Matt Travers, he, he's always been in a million bands at once, but he had a kid, so he couldn't really do the thing anymore. You know, he's like, Hey, I'm gonna take a step back. Like, I'm not like quitting the band, but like, if you guys do stuff, you know, just use a fill in. And our friend TJ would play bass and then Kyle moved to guitar because Kyle was actually a guitar player, but he just played bass. And, so we did that for like a lot, like a long time. And eventually we just like, same, almost the same thing as Alice, but we, we were just like butting heads on like, what we should do? Cause like, I was like, I want to tour. I want to be a real band. Like I'll, I'll quit my job. I don't care. Like this band is something special. Like we can really be a band. Like we could do this. And I was like, I can get us an agent. I can get us a manager. Like I know some people now, like we, we can, we can do it. And we even like, we were like, Hey, if you want to leave your job, we can find fill-ins for tours. And then once we get to a point where we're making money, like you guys can just hop in, whatever. And it just, it just didn't work out. And uh, I was just like, it kind of sucked because Keith and I were like, cause a lot of the times he was like, I don't even want to do this anymore. I was like, dude, I was like, you're like 40, you know, or he was close to 40 or whatever. I was like, you're not going to be in the band after this. And I was like, after all the stuff we've been through, I probably will not be in the other band after this. So, like, this is, like, the shot. I was like, no band, even if we started a new band after, it's not going to have the same potential as this band. This band is something special. And so we kind of just try to figure out ways to make it work, whatever. And just eventually we're just like, uh, I, was, I went to him and I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is, like, destroying the inside. And... Um, he was like, all right. And I was like, we should probably come up with a plan because if we just say, hey, we're done, they're just going to say, they're just going to be like, okay, we're breaking up and nothing. So 
I made a plan where it's like, hey, we'll do a bunch of last shows, maybe do a last tour, and then we'll end it with one big fucking goodbye, you know? And uh, I ended up being able to get us on a few fests. I got us on like Iron Fest, and uh, Moon Metal Hardcore Fests, and stuff like that. And so we did a bunch of cool stuff on the way out, and that's why I started meeting more people, like whether it was in bands or involved in the music industry or whatever. And one band we always played with, every time they played like the Northeast was Lionheart. And so I became friends with those guys over the years. And one time the singer Rob was like, I think we played Metal Fest together. And he's like, yo, you got to fill in for us sometime. Because they kind of had the same thing. They've always kind of had the main core members, but they've always had random fill-ins and stuff. Right. They have like normal jobs and stuff. And I was like, dude, just tell me when and I'll, I'll do it. And... So we're doing our last stuff, comes down to the last show, uh, we play it, it's the craziest thing ever, like, you know, it, that show will, I'll never forget it, like, we play for an hour, we have three guitar players, like, people are stage diving while we're feeding back, like, everyone's crying at the end, coming up and hugging all of us, like, insane. Well, that's the, that's the mark, you know what I mean? Even, you know, it's coming to an end, but at least at that point, like, you can say, like, at the very least, people cared. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of always was like, man, I don't even want to do a comeback show, and, and we kind of, most of the band, besides, like, me and Matt and me and Keith left on, like, I guess bad terms, like, we don't even really talk now, and it was more of just, like, I think just, like, not being on the same page and stuff. And, um, then kind of the same thing, cause that's when I, I was, uh, so I've known my wife, Sam for almost 14 years now. So at that point it was like eight or nine years or whatever it was back then. I think nine, maybe eight. I don't know. <laughs> Time is like fucked now at this point. Yeah, seriously. Um, and, and that's when we were like first, we first. Because we became super close. We knew each other in high school because she would shoot shows in Watertown because uh, you'd play Kid vs. Hero and stuff like that. She would come up and shoot with them and, and like shoot the shows and everything. And I actually met her at Estal Vines in the Lock Revolution. Um, and then she lived in Utica and I went to college in Utica. So we would, like, all of our friends would hang out. We're all, we're all, it was all the same friend group. So we'd hang out. So I've known her forever. And that's when we were first getting together, sort of. You know, we were like, because at that point we became like best friends, and then we were like, oh, should we date? If we date, uh, it could like ruin our friendship. Blah blah. blah. Obviously, it worked out, but <laughs> um, that's like she was there and saw it and everything. And that night, at like I, we're back home, and um, the singer Weinhardt texted me and goes, "Hey, do you want to come to Europe early next year and play with us?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, I do. And um, Keith and I kind of started another band that kind of sounded like weird new metal Deftones. We played in this weird-ass tuning and played weird time signatures and stuff, and it was kind of cool. We put out, like, one song and uh, played one show. But then it just kind of became, like, unproductive, and I just, like, during the Lionheart tour, I was just like, uh, I was like, I don't even want my music anymore. I was like, this is cool, but I'm kind of done with it. Uh, Sam and I just got, like, engaged and we were like, yeah, we're going to get our own place and all that stuff and trying to work
work on like moving forward with our life and everything. And I just like, I literally got home and sold all my gear and I was like, I don't even care. Like I, I had no like interest of playing in a band. It, it just, so through the, I guess this one thing I left out through the process before Ghost, we decided, Ghost Ship decided to like break up or whatever. We were writing a full length, which was, I don't even remember any of the stuff anymore, but it was like Cold War Army, Army, like, you know, it was just the next step after that. And I guess we were, we were butting heads on that stuff too. Cause like some of the, they're like, Oh, like, cause we had like breakdowns, but we were not like a heavy, we weren't, we weren't like a super heavy band, you know, like, right. Right. We, we were like a sing along band that had breakdowns, but you know, and they're like, man, this song is like, you know, and I was like, yeah, I was like, I wrote this song for there to be sing along parts. Like, and we had this huge like outline and everything. And throughout the process of me, Keith and I like, coming up with this idea and it was going to be like this crazy concept album, not like super concept, but there was like an underlying theme behind all of it and everything. And during the middle of that, when I was like, I, I don't care. I don't want to do this anymore. And it kind of sent me into this like huge depression. Like, cause everything I've like worked for and devoted my time to for a year, it's just gone. And it almost like, I was like, yeah, this needs to end. You know what I mean? So it's like you pouring your life into something and then you being like, yeah, I needed to end. So it was like heartbreaking to me. Well, and it's it's so hard to keep <clears throat> four to five guys all on the same page too. And that is it's like impossible. It's I've said it for years as I've I've struggled to compile bands, but um and and I've had <clears throat> I've been in a few, but the getting people together isn't the isn't the hard part. Getting people together is easy. Getting people and keeping the band together is a whole other story. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I was kind of like angry at times and probably an asshole to people, including people in the band. And I was just like pissed off and sad and um, kind of like Sam and I have come together to like pretty much probably save my life. Like I was, I was miserable. I was like, I was just angry and, you know, depressed and, um, she like really pulled me out of it and like our tour was super cool but at the same time I was like I'm just playing someone else's songs like all the shows were crazy I love those dudes and I got super close with Death Blades on that tour because they were on it and like everyone on the tour was super awesome and everything it was there's nothing to play about it. it was just like a month long like a month after Sam and I got engaged so it was just hard you know right um, and so I got home, pretty much sold all my stuff. And in the middle of that, like right after Ghost Ship ended, a bunch of bands, whether it be people I met through touring or the internet or bands from Syracuse were like, hey, can you help my band out? And I was like, yeah, what are you thinking? And they're like, well, like, look what you did with Ghost Ship. Like, you, you, you know, like, you guys ended up nothing like you were when you joined it. And like, you know, what did you do to do that? And so I was, you know, helping bands with like design stuff like merch designs and just like graphics for the internet and stuff to make them look more legit. Even if they were just a band playing local shows or whatever, you know, cause the part of the, part of the thing is looking the part, you know, looking professional. So I would help them out with that, like help them out with like marketing plans for the tours, kind of link them up with smaller labels, be like, Hey, uh, can you put out this record? Blah, blah, blah. So it just takes some money off their hands and, 
you know, they just have to pay them a couple dollars they sell per record or whatever. You know, you know, labels that can help them with like, you know, online because that's when, you know, online stuff was becoming a thing. Like, you know, and that's when it was hard for bands to get stuff on like iTunes and I think Spotify was a thing back then. I'm pretty positive. Stuff like that. It was like it was almost impossible for anyone to do it. Now it's anyone. Now anyone can do it. Yeah. But back yeah. then it was it, it was it was pretty hard. And uh, pretty much over the course of that year or two, it, it's when it started getting easier. But it was just like stupid expensive, or just like you had to do like a million things to make it happen. So I was just helping out with that, and I would you know try to get them agents, but it was all agents that were too small and didn't know what they were doing. And I, I they're like, hey this guy sucks. Can you just like book tours for us? And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, I would just hit up people that I met through, through doing shows for Ghost Ship or, you know, they would connect me with other people and then just kind of snowballed. And I started my own agency and then I got picked up by one agency and then I got picked up by a bigger agency. And then that agency didn't really, we didn't really see eye to eye and everything. So I moved to the current stand with now continental touring and, that's kind of how it just kind of all just happened super fast and snowballed. Um, it's kind of like the podcast thing now, you know, I was just like, Oh, I'm just going to do it. And then here I am. <laughs> but, um, that, that's kind of what happened with that. And then, you know, like once people saw, I was like putting out tours and like, you know, grinding out like all these tours, they're like, Oh, I want to work with this guy. And, you know, I started meeting more people and then, as soon as you start connecting with people, it just, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's always, all, it's always all about, always been about connections. Yeah. So I've been lucky with like, you know, people vouching for me or people introducing me to people and stuff. Um, uh, Daniel Lafont, who I work with now was super instrumental in that stuff. And, uh, Jonathan Wilson from TKO was super instrumental in that stuff. And it, it's just been like, you know, and then I've, I've been, you know, Sam and I travel across the country to go to fests and stuff like that. So you know, that's where you meet all these people, you know, and it's all, it's all about, you know, getting FaceTime with people and putting yourself out there. And that's just how, how it happened, you know? Um, so I think it's all for like how I got in this shows and the evolutions of everything, I think. So you're, um... oh, and then, and then now I'm in the world we knew because I've been friends with Frank for years and he texted me one day and was like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to play bass in this thing? We're bringing it back. And I was like, I was like, he's like, I know it's going to be a super out of left field. And he's like, but, uh, yeah, do you, do you want to do this? He's like, we're not going to play a lot of shows. It's going to be very minimal. Um, and I was like, yeah, I was like, it was going to be pretty non, because he, as you, that's the thing that sucks about him. And I'll bring up another point with him that something he did that's incredible, but he, you know, he tours like, like more than anyone I know. He'll just go from tour to tour all year long. He tours like 95 to 98% of the year. It's insane. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know him personally, but I, I did a few, uh, I did like four or five dates on the, on the Warp Tour a few years ago, and I just, he was like working for CKY. I was like, what the fuck? Is that the dude from the world we uh, knew? Yep. Yep, yep. He's been PMing and doing merch for like every band ever. He's done a mirror, TKY. Uh, he does like Andy Black and Blackwell Brides now and stuff like that. But now, obviously, he doesn't have tours because he was supposed to go on that huge Blackwell Bride like stadium tour that was supposed to start like this month or next month. And um, so he started this fundraiser called the the Nomad Fundraiser, and he 
$100,000 for people in touring crews, you know, like merch guys, TMs. Those are the people that are really hurting, for sure. Those people are like another level of hurt right now because of this whole shutdown. And that's what I was saying in the beginning, like agents and, and touring crews and managers, like they get paid from tour. That is their income. There's no income if there's no tours. Exactly. And now there's no now there's no tours. So, um, so he's done that amazing thing. Um, I think the website is for the nomads.org. He started a website, and they're going to continually do this and try to integrate different stuff with it. It's incredible. I had the pleasure of doing the. He hit me up to do the t-shirts for it. Like if you donated twenty bucks, you get a t-shirt with it. And um, he had me do this funny coronavirus tour where all the dates are like something hilarious. on the front this is merch daddy it's hilarious you gotta take the piss uh, yeah, out of the situation you know what i mean yeah yeah exa- exactly and so i i am honored to be a part of it in some way and um he's gonna be on my podcast um probably will come i won't we're not recording until next week because we want to watch we're gonna do it on wrestling so uh we want to get past wrestlemania which i'm dreading and watching because i don't care about WWE anymore but oh dude i'm in the i'm in this i'm in the same boat with you right now now are you are are you are you fully bought in for AEW? yeah i'm I'm like almost like people would probably call me a marvel show i'm i think i'm an AEW show dude dude we have to we have to do an (laughs) AEW podcast because like uh dude i've i've been to i went to the third ever uh dynamite which was in philly the LaCroix yeah. Center. And then I went to Full Gear with uh, two of my friends as well. We went to both of them. Uh, and, dude, I'm, so I'm telling you right now, I haven't been to a WWE show in years, but and, and I have friends that still go to WWE shows, but the adrenaline yeah. in the crowd, I know we can see it as fans. We can see what it, what's happening on the television oh, and how the fans... The crowds are gnarly. Dude, being there in the live crowd, and I'm so pissed, dude, about this. The biggest kick in the nuts for this pandemic was it was supposed to be in Rochester, and yeah, that was when Brody Lee was debuting and the swerve of having Matt Hardy. Oh, my fucking... You know how pissed I was? Oh, dude, my I was God. so bummed, especially because, obviously, Brody Lee is from Rochester. Yeah, so, it was his home... Like, it was the, you know, the whole true. angle, you know? Yeah, and that's what that was my guess. I was like, Rochester... And like you know, he left his contract. It was like the, it was like right near the end of his ninety days. And I was like, "Yo, he is going to debut there." The Matt Hardy thing, I was not expecting. No, was that was that was great because because they they you know they were like, "Who the fuck's the melted one?" They did such a good job of tricking us, being like, "Oh, it's definitely Matt Hardy." You're like, "Oh no, wait, could it be Harper?" I don't know, or Brody Lee, but like it, you know, because they did like the Bolter stuff, which obviously like links back to like Bray Wyatt. And I was like, but then they did all this obvious shit where like, hey, it's fucking Matt Hardy. There's no way it's not Matt Hardy, right? And they just swerve you. You kind of knew it was one or the other, obviously, but they did such a good job of making you question which one it was. They're bringing um, yeah, that. Was, they're bringing that back to wrestling. It's been missing for so long. Yeah, the mystery. Because there's no mystery in almost anything anymore because everything's on the internet. Exactly. And it, it sucks to, uh, it's like, this is kind of a side t- tangent, especially about like nerd stuff, is that there's so many websites that suck. And they put out, like, every day I'll see, it, it's no one's fault because I only know this because I'm, I'm obsessed with, like, movie news websites and I, I 
I'm so ingrained with like Collider and stuff like that. Um, but like, I know when like a new site isn't legit. So if it doesn't come from like Comfort.com or Collider, it's pretty much like I, 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 it's a rumor to me. And there is a bunch of good websites that are pretty good. There's like MCU Cosmic that's usually pretty legit, but they'll post rumor things, but they'll put in big letters rumor. You know, right? Because there's so many rumors of that shit. But there's this site called We Got This Covered, and literally every story they post, they'll they'll do a headline, and it's super clickbaity, and everyone will post them, but none of the articles have come true. It's all just like rumor, hearsay, bullshit. Like, and I see so many on my feed like every day, and I'm like, hey, and I, it's like I almost I I feel like I sound like a fucking like pretentious dick every time I say something about it. But if it's one of my friends, I'm like. <laughs> You know, because you're like, oh, this is this site sucks or whatever. You know, so I don't like to do that. But if it's one of my friends, I'll like message them and be like, yo, this site is terrible. Like, right. they're not legit. Like, like look at any of their stories. None of this can come true. Like, it, it's just it's all clickbaity rumor garbage. Like, don't pay attention to anything that they post. Um, but I mean, there's stuff like that with wrestling. You know, unless like post wrestling or um, uh, pro wrestling sheet post about it, I'm probably not going to believe it because it's just dirt sheet nonsense like oh yeah and, and, and all the other sites post all this like they do clickbaity shit too you know or it's just like the the headline's one thing but then you read the article and it's all like oh based on rumors blah 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 or whatever and i'm just like get the fuck out of here this is stupid like and everyone has access to this stuff now so now everyone thinks they're an expert not saying i'm an expert in this stuff but i like to find my news sources from people i know that are credible right know? well there, so, there's a difference between you know you know People will be like, oh, well, this guy thinks he's an expert. No, we're just in tune with what's going on. Yeah. There's different, exactly. there's people that are posting these clickbaity, uh, you know, uh, just clickbait uh, titles or headers just so you can get a click on it. And that isn't, they're not necessarily in tune. They just are trying to perpetuate rumors for the, you know, the success of their site or whatever they're promoting. It isn't they aren't necessarily in tune. And if they, if they are in tune, then that's even more fucked up because they're trying to just perpetuate lies. Yeah. It, it's awful to say, I hate seeing that kind of stuff. So, um, at the beginning of the podcast too, we, we've kind of come full circle because you said that, that you came, uh, you came into f- listening to podcasts even more so than music now. And I'm in the same boat from, wrestling i'm the same way i started off listening to like jericho's podcast and then i went down the rabbit hole of every wrestling podcast and now i'm listening to movie podcast and music podcast and and mainly honestly wrestling podcast so with that we do have uh since your podcast is the metalcore nerds i got some nerd uh ish uh either ors now there's a lot of wrestling ones in here because i finding out that you were um and eight, you are on board. You are with AEW hashtag. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I added a couple as we were speaking because I got to get your opinion. So this is either or. Okay, so cool. you, you pick one or the other. So Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage. Hulk Hogan, but I really don't. It, it's kind of way too before my time. I'm not – it's like – I'm the same way with with wrestling as I am with music. Is that a, bu- a bunch of the old stuff I just don't care about, and it's not, not that I don't care because I don't respect it. It's just not for me. It, it's not, yeah. It's just not in your wheelhouse. 
Yeah, so, and, and I hate people who are like, oh, you need to know the roots. It's like, no, I respect it and everything. It's just like, it's not, not my thing. I'm not, so I don't, like, I, Hulk Hogan, I'll pick Hulk Hogan because what he did for this, but I think he's a risk piece of shit now, so I don't care. So, <laughs> the, the Rock or Steve Austin? I know this is in your... If we're going wrestling, Stone Cold. If we're going everything else, The Rock. Yeah, I mean, The Rock's obviously, who would have thought, like, obviously The Rock was, if if Austin was A1, Rock was uh, A2 in the business in the yeah. 90s, but, the, I mean, The Rock is yeah. the highest paid actor in Hollywood now. That's insane most, to like, say. He's the most famous person in the world. Yeah. He's, like, literally the most famous person in the world. <laughs> exactly. The you could not know a- any facet of wrestling at all, but you know who The Rock is. Yeah, so, so many people are probably like, oh, The Rock used to wrestle? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, there's there's people like that nowadays, which is pretty nuts, but it's true. So, uh, like that movie star used to wrestle? What? Yeah, like, yeah, he did. He was literally probably the big. That, that's how big he is. Where he was literally one of the biggest stars in wrestling during the biggest era of wrestling, and yet, yeah. people don't even realize that because how big he is in Hollywood. I know. Okay. So Jericho or Cody? Ooh. Uh, Jericho, just because. I might say Cody in like twenty years from now, but right now Jericho. That dude's done everything. Like oh, yeah. that dude not done. Literally done everything. Yeah. He's probably the greatest of all time. No joke. Uh, he's in my he's top five from, without without a shadow of a doubt. From his body of work, like it's undeniable. So many people are like, he's washed up, blah blah blah. It's just a WWE character, and I'm like, no, it's not. You're stupid. Shut up. Yeah, definitely, not definitely not. I, I mean, the guy is. Uh, he's innovated his character. Time and time again, it's just it's unprecedented. Yeah. But Inner Circle or yeah. Dark Order? Uh, Inner Circle now that could change. Um, what they're doing with Brody Lee that was cool, and like all the videos have made it made them more legit. At first, I was like, they put out cool matches like Stu Grayson and um, Evil Uno, but everything was kind of just like corny at the time. And it was also at the same time where they're like, I love AEW, but they definitely have their still have their faults now i mean they've worked a ton of them out since the beginning of the year but um but they've definitely done it and i'm interested interested to see where they go like the last week you know they've done those like vignettes where it's like them kind of making fun of Vince McMahon. i think oh yeah yeah they've taken uh, definitely been taking shots for sure yeah and um this week was funny uh funnier and i liked it better than last week last week was kind of over the two or the top for me not like I hated it, but I was just like, eh, that's whatever. But the seriousness he's had, um, like in the ring or like whatever, like even him just like walking out in the last last this week's episode and like staring down Dustin Rhodes, I was like, this is sick. This is cool. Yeah. And I'm very, and, and I want to see the dynamic between him and like Eva Luna and Stu Grayson more. Uh, but at this point, easily inner circle. So the, uh, the sneezing thing is a Vince thing for sure. Because if you sneeze, so. if you sneeze in snake, front of Vince, Vince sees it as a sign of weakness. If you sneeze, and then the yawn thing too, I think <laughs> yeah, the yawn is a thing too. Yeah, and the steak thing was 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 like a Vince thing too. Oh, for I sure. Uh, so, uh, so it's like I don't know, I don't know where they're going with it, and <laughs> I don't like to judge before it plays out. Yeah, you got it with anything. Yeah, even even movies or whatever. Um, you can't so judge I, the movie before right you now, see the ending. Yeah, I'm undecided on where I want to see where it goes first. But if they do a good job of melding these weird vignettes with how he is in the ring, I'll be cool with it. They definitely 
especially that, like, legitimized the Dark Order for me. I don't know about everyone else, but I know most of my wrestling friends I've talked to, as soon as they started doing those vignettes of Join the Dark Order, like, people started to be that, like, oh, yeah, okay, that, this, is, this is a lot better. That's when you know, they, people started coming around, for sure. Yeah, they ended the year on that weird thing with them coming out and attacking the Elite, and everyone's like, what the fuck is this? This is stupid, you know? But I was kind of whatever on it. I didn't think it was the greatest thing, but, you know, it's... The big thing with AEW, which it's cool because they actually listen and they're learning from everything. And some of the debuts have like not hit. I think like they thought they were going to like the first Dark Order one. Like everyone's like, who the fuck are these guys? You know, because they're pretty like they were just on the Indies. That was it. They weren't right. even on big big Indies. It was all like smaller stuff. So you know, and then even Butcher and the Blade. Like I freaked out because it's Andy Williams every time I die, and I knew, and they're from Buffalo, so I know about them but the you know the, they never did need big indies really you know so people don't know who they are so them doing this weird surprise appearance is it's hard people aren't gonna react to it because they don't know who they are you know right right and i i feel like don't get me wrong i think there was probably like a a seismic uh frequency happening but from like syracuse to buffalo for sure when andy williams appeared on tnt for the first time? Oh, yeah. Because so many people who do not give a fuck about wrestling were like, yo, do you ever die? It's on fucking TV. Yeah. Like, yo, I'm going to watch this, you know? Which well, is cool. Dude, but I like, had friends that weren't... Fans, were like, yeah, I had friends that weren't even interested in wrestling. They're like, "What the fuck, Andy Williams for every time I die?" Te- they texted me like, "Andy Williams for every time I die is on TV right now." I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> yeah, which is like super cool. Um, and I was kind of spoiled. What well, all this? Anyone up to know was spoiled because there was this like indie federation called 2CW and oh yeah uh they had like all the big names all the time like the their last show it was two two shows in one so it was like all day and like the young bucks wrestled with AJ Styles like months before he went to WWE and like literally there's only there's like two or three hundred people in this like American Legion like so I, I watched AJ Styles wrestle in front of two hundred people and yeah. then he debuted at the Royal Rumble two months later and he teamed with the Young Bucks, and then the Young Bucks teamed with Kenny Omega later. Like, Roddy was on it. Uh, like, everyone was on it. Like, I can't even remember right now, but, like, it, it was insane. And, like, Dalton Castle, Sammy Callahan was, like, the champion. The Young Bucks were the tag champs. Um, I saw them wrestle with the Dudley Boys twice, which is crazy. And that's how I found out about them, because I went, I was like, yo, the Dudley Boys? Because that's what I was into when I was a kid. I was into, like, the Hardys, Edgar Christian, Dudley Boys stuff like that that was like the main stint of me watching wrestling right. when I was younger and uh and like DX Shawn Michaels stuff like that but I was like yo the Dudley Boys are wrestling like down the street from my house like fuck yeah I'll go and so I saw them and that's when I saw the Young Bucks and I think I saw Johnny Johnny Gargano on that show and uh like Candice and Joey wrestled too um so that's why I super started getting into wrestling but so yeah we were kind of like upstate was kind of spoiled with Oh, that kind of stuff. for sure. Um, and I, I talked with Andy. I've never talked to Andy before that. And he's just like, hey, what's up, man? And I was like, hey. And we just talked about wrestling for like an hour. It was super cool. That dude is the nicest you ever. <laughs> so uh, the last uh, the last bit before we move on to the other ones, I will just leave – I'll leave this with the wrestling is you know about the Shawn Michaels Syracuse incident, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So lost the smile thing, right? Yeah. So the uh, he, got, he got beat up or something, right? So 
there's been podcasts on it, like Bruce Pritchard's podcast. I don't know if you listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast, but they covered they covered it in I think it was Shawn Michaels 1995 or six or whatever. So the 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 lure is. Uh, you know, the mythology is that Shawn Michaels was jumped by a bunch of military guys that came down from Fort Drum and he jumped in Syracuse because he, he was like, you know, trying to be, you know, quote unquote, a sexy boy in the bar. But <laughs> I have an inside scoop I've had since I was a child because my sister went to high school with the person he got into the altercation with. Wow. My sister graduated Kansas High School in 1983. So this guy went to the military, and he that that part of the story is true. They came down from Fort Drum, uh, and they were in the bar or whatever. And this guy was hit. You know, Shawn Michaels was hitting on this girl's uh, this guy's uh, girlfriend, and uh, so X Pac at the time was one two three kid, and British Bulldog of all people are with Michaels is with uh, Shawn Michaels. So they were so inebriated. They, you know, got into like an altercation and they just like started to leave. So one of the uh, gentlemen from the, uh, I don't know what you, you want to call him, the, uh, from the, the group uh, said, well, okay, let's go, let's take this outside. So they went outside not thinking that they would actually go out there and do anything. And Davy Boy, British Bulldog and X-Pac got in the back of the car and then a couple of the guys sat in the front of the seat, the the front of the car, and it was like one of those two-door cars, so they couldn't get out because they were sitting in the back. So, And then Michaels and this guy started scrapping, and the guy literally, I guess there was no punches thrown or anything. The guy picked Michaels up, slammed him as hard as he could on the ground, and it I, I assume it was probably an already existing injury, but, you know, messed his back up pretty well. Um, and uh, I... I'm not sure on the details after that because Michaels did see a hospital visit in Syracuse after that. Um, wow. So, yeah, uh, I've had that scoop literally since I was a child because I remember my sister coming over like a couple days later and telling us all about it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I had to share that with you because obviously being, you know, Syracuseans and uh, being wrestling fans, I, I, I had to I had to talk to you about that. Wow, that's that's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the last either ors here, we got uh Trusco Records or Victory Records. I think Victory. Victory like kind of molded my childhood with music. Because I remember I was super into Tang Mix Sunday and Bayside. I mean I still am, but I remember I think it was the Where You Wanna Be C D. I bought that and um, it had a sampler with like a Treyu and the audition and Hawthorne Heights and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I, that, I that's what I loved that about all those. Is, yeah, that I love that about has, I love that about games, Victory. Okay. Yeah, but if it was for me, it's Victory, not Victory now. Victory now is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so 2004, or 2000, early 2000s, yes. 2004 or Act, act, action movies or horror movies? It's action movies. I like action movies. Horror movies are weirder than me. I, I'm kind of like this with all movies. 
uh, I guess the, the only genre I'm like super into, like very very into, and I, obviously the superhero genre, but they have their qualms as well. But I do I I love horror movies, but it has to depend what the movie is. Um, same with action movies. Action movies can be very bad. Yeah, but horror movies can also be very bad. Any movie can be really bad, but I'm just, I just like movies. So it's like if I, it's the same thing with music. If I like it, I like it. I don't really like to. I talk about superhero movies a lot because I'm like obsessed with them. But um, I'm, I'm, I love going to the theaters. It's like one of my favorite things to do. It sucks I can't do it. Right uh, I'm like I was getting ready to go to the movie theaters before this to go see like one or two different movies, and we actually. Uh, the girlfriend and I actually went and saw um, the Invisible Man like two days before this all went went down. So I was glad I got one more in before all this. But uh, I haven't seen it. Yet. I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, really, really good. A lot of fun. Uh, Sam is like uh, suspenseful movies have been like making her way too anxious, so she hasn't been down to watch them. So I really haven't uh, had the time to watch it. And obviously, I didn't go. I, I was lucky we saw Birds of Prey in theaters, and we saw um, Onward in theaters before the oh, nice. show started, which they were, both, they were both pretty cool. They were fun. Not amazing, but they were fun. So the uh, the last one is very fitting, obviously, as you were just talking about what a super uh, superhero and comic fan of the movies you are. Marvel at DC? Uh, Marvel. Yeah. If you asked me five years ago, I would have said DC. It's fucking weird. Yeah, I mean it's I'm I'm not huge on the Marvel movies just because I haven't honestly I haven't dove into a lot of them. The last Marvel movies I I've seen are the 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 reboot of Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone were the last like I think I think like the last Marvel movies I watched. So I I haven't even watched um I, I watched the first Iron Man. Um I haven't seen any of the uh, Avengers or anything like that. But I'm like a diehard. I'm a diehard Batman guy. That's why. Me, no, me too. I'm like, I grew up on Batman. Batman is the thing I was obsessed with. That's why I would have said DC five years ago, especially because of the Dark Knight trilogy. But um, I love Batman. Batman's like probably my favorite superhero, even even if I would pick Marvel. But uh, now that I like read comics and stuff, um, I love Batman comics too. But uh, even even the comics, I like Marvel better. Um, I would say probably. Uh, I usually, I don't like reading runs. Well, I, I guess I do read runs because I buy trades and they're just full runs in one book instead of buying individual comics. But, um, like, it's weird because there's a lot of bad comics too. A lot of stories are really good and they end them very badly. A lot of, like some movies. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the, the MCU is literally the most put together franchise ever. There's nothing like it. Like, Star Wars has its problems. The MCU has its problems too, but uh, it has very little. It, it's weird because they've built such a reputation where even the quote-unquote bad movies aren't even really bad movies. They're just bad in, in comparison to the other movies. Right, it's right. You're you're comparing them to, like, gold standard of other movies that are just, you know... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually insane. Um, and the storytelling they do in that, like, this is... I'm telling you, now, if you have the time, just do do the Marvel thing. Do it. Uh, because... I'm, I might the, have the payoff, to... Especially after dude, listening to your episodes, too. Dude, Avengers Endgame is the most insane superhero movie I've ever watched in my life, and I do not think anything will ever come to ever. Unless they, unless they outdo it themselves, which is possible with them continuing. Because there is a story arc that I feel like they're leading to that I've read. It's my favorite, my favorite comic book event ever, which I guess isn't much because I've read uh, a 
good amount of comics, but if you compare it to like a super comic book nerd, it's like novice shit. But I do research a lot of stuff, so I have I have a good knowledge of even comic stuff for the most part. Um, but uh, if they're leading to this event and it, they they do a good job of they don't copy the comics, they just they take it's like a love letter to comics. Um, if you read the comics, there's a lot of cool nods and uh, stuff like that. But they they have not really copied stuff. They'll merge stuff together and make it their own thing, which I like a lot better. Um, in my opinion, a lot of people hate it. Like super comic nerds uh, get really pissed off by them because they're not carbon copies of the comics. Which um, I mean, that's fine. I, I understand. I just think it would be stupid to retell a story that's already been told. And like I said, a lot of the comics end very anticlimactically. So it would suck for a movie for everything to because a lot of stuff it crazy all this crazy shit happens and then it literally all just gets undone so to me that's pointless storytelling but with comics it's the most convoluted uh, medium probably ever because there's a million runs and stuff doesn't connect and then they do stuff to connect it it's crazy uh but that's that's why people love comics that's part of why i love comics but in a movie standpoint it, it doesn't work that way because it would just be confusing um but like endgame literally ties everything together it's crazy they pay off almost everything throughout the whole 11 years of the the franchise it's insane and they have the best spider-man ever in my opinion uh with tom holland he is just the perfect he's the he's the first one to be a good peter parker and spider-man See, in my opinion. Some see, people don't agree, but I, but I, I love. I, I grew up loving Spider-Man too, and I haven't watched the Tom Holland Spider-Man. So, and I have Disney Plus, so I think that's probably something that's going to be on the docket too. But I think, uh, I think now's the time to to dive into these. If there was any time, now's the time. A hundred percent, and honestly, it's worth it. Like they, they're almost like AW uh, with like fan service stuff, but they've done a way better job than even AW. Obviously, they have a. Uh, you know, a decade on, on AEW, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's kind of hard to compare. But, you know, they, they do they do fan service, but they don't do it to just give you what you want. They do it, but it makes sense story-wise, too. Right. So, because a, a lot of movies will do fan service, but it's not really to forward the story. It's more to just, like, give fans what they want. When they do a good job of giving fans what they want or giving stuff that you didn't think or didn't know you wanted, which is the best part. And they've done a thing with movies, especially superhero movies, exactly what AEW's done, where they surprise you. And the trailers, especially for their big movies, if you like watch the movies and go back and watch the trailers, you're like, I never would have guessed that would have happened in the trailer. No sure and, I, and, I, and I'm a psycho, and I watch trailer breakdowns where they like pick apart stuff and try to theorize of where the story would go, and they're always wrong. And they're always like, yeah, I, this probably isn't right, but this could happen. You know, it's more of just fun guessing. Um, but I won't read leaks or anything. I hate that shit. I like being surprised, but I'll watch these crazy breakdown videos because usually they'll be wrong. <laughs> but I like to see—I like to see someone. But now I watch trailers like that. I'll be like, "Oh, yo, that's this thing or whatever." It, I feel like a complete psychopath. Like even my super nerd friends, I'll send them the videos, and they're like, "I can't believe you watched this shit." And I'm like, "I don't know." That, that stuff came in a time where um, uh, we so a couple years ago, Sam's mom got she. Uh, we found out she had cancer and we took care of her and she got super sick. So that, that stuff kind of, uh, became like my escape and stuff to like take me out of, um, the terrible situation that that was. So, uh, that's a big part of why this stuff is so important to me, I guess. Uh, I, I know I'm very overboard with it and I can talk about it probably too much mm-hmm. in, in a healthy amount, but it's kind of like, 
that's what happens with me. I just, uh, stuff I become passionate about, I become obsessive and I need to know everything. And, uh, I just pour, pour a lot into it. But, that's what that's what movies definitely have always been uh, for me. On top of being very nostalgic too, especially I mean, same thing with music and, and anything. Uh, you know, you go back to the simpler times. You think about what you liked during a certain time period when you were younger and things were simpler and there weren't fucking pandemics happening. Um, exactly, and you know, that's why it's cool seeing like a bunch of like content creators or or people doing new stuff and. You know, doing Twitches and podcasts and stuff to, you know, give themselves an outlet and give everyone else something to, to you know, look forward to or check out that can take their mind off stuff for even if it's an hour or half an hour or whatever it might be, you know? Exactly, man. Well, on the, the last note before we wrap up, since you said you were a Batman guy, we're going to end it nerdy. We started it nerdy, we're going to end it nerdy. Since this oh. is the host of the Metalcore Nerds podcast, uh... Your favorite Batman films? You said you were a Batman fan. What's your mecha Batman film? Oh, Dark Knight. There's no... So, for almost... These are in my top five movies of all time, but top three superhero movies would be Endgame, Avengers Endgame, The Dark Knight, and Logan. And it changes by the day of which one I think is better because they're all better for different reasons. And uh, they're all insanely different from each other. Uh, but favorite Batman Dark Knight. But I'm insanely looking forward to this Robert Pattinson movie. I know people are like hung up on him doing Twilight ten fucking years ago for some reason. Dude, uh, I'm all in on it. Uh, I love I love him as the selection of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Same. And all all the like shots they've done or that weird teaser video they posted, it all looks so fucking cool. And especially after Joker coming out and that movie just being unreal. Oh yeah. Unhinged and dark and because Batman's supposed to be dark. I mean, he, he, there's some light stuff in it, but I like my Batman dark. That's why I like Dark, dark Knight. You know, that, that movie's fucked up. Like, they kill a main character halfway through the movie. Yeah. Spoiler alert for a movie that's 10 years old and probably the, you know, most loved superhero movie of all time. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like, and I, I didn't mind Ben Affleck as Batman, but I didn't like the movie season, so... That's yeah, I, kind of same. Good. I felt he so, did good a, a good job. The movies just didn't execute. But there was also things like I didn't really agree with it, him in a Batman form. It, more of the fact of him mowing down people with a machine gun <laughs> in BBS. Like I know uh, some people got into an argument with me about about this on Twitter, but I was like, Batman doesn't kill people. He doesn't. That's the, that's the whole point. The whole point is that he he causes his own problem in a way because he refuses to kill people because of his parents being murdered in front of him or whatever. And the fact that he won't kill any of his enemies is, you know, part of the fall. You know, it's how the Red Hood becomes a thing because he doesn't, you know, kill the Joker and the Joker, you know, kills Robin, but doesn't kill Robin because he comes back as the vigilante villain guy, uh, which is one of the coolest stories and I hope they do a lot of action someday. Uh, and and the fact, like, he went from, like, the pissed-off old Batman, which I was fine with, other than the killing. I didn't like the killing, obviously. I've said it, like, five times now, but... And then he became, like, the joking dad in Justice League, which yeah. is weird. <laughs> and, and, and he was the one who was trying to team up people, which is, like, the opposite of everything Batman's ever done. He's always the... The team comes by force. Like, he, other people force the team upon him. He does not make the team right uh, 
I mean, I know there's been times where he has, but it's usually, uh, especially in a lot of the big Batman event books, it's, it's usually the team is forced upon him rather than him gathering the team. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't mind it. It's just, I don't know. The mo- I don't like those movies. I think I'm I'm in a my my the minority here when it comes to Dark Knight. Now don't get me wrong. I love Dark Knight. I saw Dark Knight. I think more than I've ever seen any movie in theaters. I think I went and saw it like five times in theaters. It was that good. Yeah, I saw it three times. And I uh, but I like Dark Knight Rises better. Yeah, I, I love Dark Knight Rises. I just I just think Dark Knight is a perfect movie. I think I, I'm I, I'm in the I'm in the minority where I, I we talked about it in the podcast with Joey Stone, but. We both love the Dark Knight. I was like, "Oh, that's cool. I'm I'm glad you said that because a lot of people hate on that movie, and I don't think it deserves hate at all. I think it's a really good movie." Again, again, it it gets compared to the gold standard of the Dark Knight. Yeah, and I I said that in the podcast too, where it had that that issue of of coming out after one of the most like game changing movies, successful, friggin' just buzz ridden, and obviously. Coming yeah. off the heels of Heath Ledger obviously passing Ledger, away yeah. too, I mean, yeah, and even his performance, even if he didn't pass away, like, dude won a fucking Oscar for a exactly, and I think that gives even more uh, credit to Joaquin Phoenix for pulling off the Joker and, and giving his spin on the Joker and having having that oh, movie be God. as awesome as it is. Coming off, you know. Because I think for a while, people were like, will they ever do a Joker again? Can you even touch the Joker after Heath Ledger did it? And, in, 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 you know, in the movie universe, can you do it? Yeah. And, I mean, they proved you could. I mean, they tried with Jared Leto, but it just didn't work. I didn't hate it, but uh, it, I almost didn't view him as a Joker. And he was also in it for, like, two minutes in the movie, maybe, like, three or four. But it, everyone, like, everyone hates on that so bad. And I was like, he was in the movie for, like, you know, like a few minutes. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, how are you going to judge someone that was in a movie for four minutes? Like, yeah. do you judge someone's stupid cameo in some other movie? Like, it, it, the amount of hate that character guy is just like obscene. Like, it, it, I don't know. Um, but what I really want, which I don't think is going to happen, but I would love, because obviously, like Joker and I'm pretty sure Batman is going to be disconnected from the DCEU and. Um, like the DC extended universe. I don't even know if it's called that. I don't think it was ever called that. It's just what people call it. Yeah. And I, I want so bad, so bad to fucking have Joaquin Phoenix or Robert Pattinson face off in a future movie. Oh, that that's would be, really, that'd be awesome. I would really love it so much. I don't know. I don't know if it'll happen, but because they've kind of stated that this is not going to be a one and done Batman movie. It's going to be a series of Batman movies. And this movie is going to like launch that stuff. And I, and they've made it. Obviously, I don't know because I'm, you know, not a part of the movie. But they've kind of made it seem like it's going to be like the Joker, where it's going to be darker and edgier and more of like a, like a noir type film. But it's a superhero movie. You know, it's like a, you know, it's like a classic movie with a superhero right twist twist on it. You know, kind of like how Joker was. It was like a it was like a um, a Scorsese movie, but it was about the Joker. I'm uh, I'm relieved to hear that you are on board with uh, Pattinson uh, casting too, as as was I. Yeah, I just hate when people judge casting because like people judge Heath Ledger for being the Joker. Look what he did with that. Like you're not a fucking professional movie caster. Like what the fuck do you know? Like you know, like I, like I said, don't judge things before it's out. Like yep. you know, 
hate how people like preliminary judge shit for no reason other than being like, oh, I don't like that decision. Well, cool. You're just a dude. You're not a producer or a director or whatever. Like, you're just a guy. Like, maybe if, maybe if you were a producer and you were pissed about it or something, maybe I would take your opinion more seriously. But no, you're just a dude on Twitter. Like, I know. I'll never know. understand that, especially especially when you talk the comic movies too. People like promoting what they hate, not what they like. And I don't even like posting stuff online if I don't like it, unless someone asks me. And I'm like, eh, I don't really like it, but I don't go like it sucks because I don't think it's my place to say it sucks, even if it's my opinion. I just I leave it at like I don't I don't like it. It's all preference. I didn't. Yeah, like I. I didn't like it. Whatever. Like, if you liked it, cool. There's a ton of movies I like that people don't like. There's a ton of bands I like that people like. Like, I don't let other people's opinion judge it. I will have a conversation with you that is productive. Maybe not productive, but, like, we can see each other's sides. But I'm not going to sit here. And I've gotten in some rants with, like, Star Wars fans and stuff about stuff. I, I am guilty of that. But uh, <laughs> it was more of... It's usually when they try to force a point on me. That's when I get mad. Right. I'm like... I'm like, you can have your opinion, but don't tell me my opinion is wrong. Cause it's not, because it's my opinion, you know? Like, I, I felt these choices were fine. If you don't, I don't care. But, like, don't tell me how to feel. Like, like I said, I, if you want to tell me your opinion, I'll tell your mind. I'll do that all, all day. But don't be like, no, that's wrong. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever, whatever. Un- unfortunately, you get that with some of this, um, I guess you call it uh, nerddom, as we... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. you'll get that but the uh the positives definitely outweigh the negatives and it's uh it's awesome what you're doing i i love the the format that you have um thank you i think so it's much. uh i was i was pumped as soon as i saw it i was like oh my god like this is awesome like even the title immediately for someone like me obviously the the word metalcore has been uh shamed and <laughs> shamed and shunned uh in these uh in these villages for years um and i'm someone who's always embraced yeah. it because uh, it's just metal and hardcore it's heavy music um but uh i was pumped when i saw that and then when i saw your guests and that your guests aren't strictly talking about music i was like oh this is awesome yeah like i said the new one is kind of just all about music because he's not he, he's just one of my best friends and uh he promotes all my shit like he's just a great guy and you know, he'll help it. the podcast reach some different people that I wouldn't be able to reach by myself. And uh, he, I mean, he's been promoting it since the, since the jump. And I, I knew I wanted him on early. And so we just talked about metalcore bands and his career, kind of like how this is in, in a way. Hell yeah. So, it's so, cool. It's, it, it's different. But I'm going to do stuff like that. I'll have some music industry people on or I'll have some friends who like are big in the mental health world. And we'll talk about like mental health and stuff like that. Because I think that stuff is so important. And not everything is about nerd stuff. And uh, it's cool to have some more serious or different conversations. So it, it'll be a, a mix of things. But I, I know I am recording a wrestling one that should come out the week after next week. Oh, hell yeah. I'll be, uh, be, I'll be hitting the DL button on that for sure. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah. So do you have a weekly schedule yet? Or are you just releasing them when you get, get them done? So um, one of my friends who I guess is, I knew from back in the Watertown days, he, he was helping produce podcasts for a while. And he told me to do the trailer on a Friday and then drop three episodes on Monday. So that's why I did it that way. Um, and, but from now on, I'm going to do Mondays and Thursdays. Nice. When they're going to come out. I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I'm going to try and do two a week for the foreseeable future until maybe things are actually normal. And then I'll go to once a week. I'm not sure. Um, I'm kind of working on some ideas of maybe doing like uh, subscription, subscription stuff where like people will get like bonus episodes or like 
access kind of stuff. Nice, um, nice. But I'm still kind of mulling it over, and I might like donate a portion to like uh, for the nomads or stuff like that. I'm still kind of like I'm kind of doing it as I go, so uh, trying to make everything as legit as possible and seeing what I can do. You know? Hell yeah! Um, but yeah, Mondays and Thursdays is going to be the plan from now on. And they can find the the metalcore nerds, and that's at metalcore nerds on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. All that stuff at Metalcore Nerds, and um, it's anywhere you can find podcasts. I think I'm still waiting on Google to approve me, Google Podcast, but you can you can listen to it on YouTube, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, and I just put a new link in the social media. That's like it's this thing called Podlink, and it, I guess it's like an automatic thing that does it for any podcast. I just learned this yesterday. Uh, and it brings you to like a main page where you can listen to it on that page or it has links to like everything else. Yeah. So that's, that's how we, yep. That's how we do ours too. Uh, we're through uh, anchor anchors, the main page and then oh, it's just, yeah. it's dispersed yeah. everywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Red circle is the same thing. You can go to my, the red circle site is on all social media and you can go there and listen to it if you want. It's on Stitcher and all these random other websites that I didn't know existed. So it's, pretty easy to find <laughs> uh if you, if you if you listen to podcasts or even if you don't you can find it on spotify or youtube which are pretty much anyone has you know awesome man well like i said man uh i think it's awesome what you're doing i think it's it's uh more content the better and especially when you know it's coming from uh good dudes it's uh it's more incentive to check it out and uh Hey man, uh, I think it's awesome, and uh, I appreciate you giving giving me the time and coming on the the Heart Guide Media podcast here and uh, just uh, babbling about nerddom and uh, your uh, your run of everything that you do, which is literally everything from graphic designer and booker and bandmate and 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 now podcaster. Man, it's uh, it's awesome, and uh, it's uh, it's cool to see more content out there. And like I said, man, I, I appreciate you giving me uh, giving me the time and. Uh, coming on the podcast man yeah man thank you so much for having me it's super cool of you and uh uh i don't know if i've told that full story to like anyone so um at least like publicly you know we're like close friends so they're getting the this would be cool for people to hear it yeah uh, they'll get the full sean mont rundown yeah <laughs> Well, all right, man. Uh, thanks again. I appreciate it. And uh, again, that is Metalcore Nerds at Instagram. Links in his bio. Get it wherever podcasts are available. And uh, listen to uh, listen to nerds talk nerds. And uh, this has been the Heart Guide Media podcast. And we are again on Instagram at Heart Guide Media on Twitter at Heart Guide Media. Uh, and as we said with uh, Sean's podcast, you can find ours everywhere that his is as well. And uh, Yeah, thanks for uh, stopping by and check out Metalcore Nerds with Sean Mott.